This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. On today's show, the guys talk with Dr. Pranita Maratra, founder and CEO of Mind Antics. Her take on cognitive creativity opens new doors to build creative thinking skills in children. We've got an East Initiative update, all of that and much more up next on EduTech Guys. Yeah. You're listening to the EduTech Guys, edutechguys.com. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys. I'm David Henderson. Hey, I'm Jeff Manlock. Yeah, welcome to the show. And we've got a really, really cool guest today. And it turns out it's her first time ever to do a podcast. So we're honored. We're honored. And we'd be honored if you go out to the web and go to www.edutechguys.com, drop down to the bottom of the page and click the little button and fill out the information and tell us how wonderful we are. <laughs> yes. We also, need that. you can catch us. Uh, <laughs> you can catch us on the um, on the uh, social medias. Uh, just at Edutech Guys. Or heck, I say it every week, and I'll say it again. Go out to Google, type in Edutech Guys. E D U T E C H G U Y S, and you will find us out on the interwebs, staring back at you. Yeah, that's right. Hey, and uh, when you're over there at uh, edutechguys.com and or checking out our social media, do us a favor and fill out our listener survey. We want to know what you like, what you'd like to see different, all that kind of good stuff. So be sure to uh, fill that out. There'll be links in our social media and on the web page, all that good stuff. So hit that up. Yeah, for sure. So i tell you what, we're going to jump right into it today and just get right to the uh, to the old goodness of the interviews. That sound good to you? Sounds good. Let's right. do it. Here we go. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, welcome back to the EduTech Guys. We're really yeah. excited to have our next guest yes. on the show. And yes. we just found out this is her first podcast, so we're really excited about that yeah. for her. We're going to let her introduce herself and tell us who she is and what she does and all that kind of good stuff. So here we go. Hi, uh, my name is Pranita. I am the founder of a company called Mind Antics. And what we are really trying to do is we're developing programs to build uh, the four C's and the four C's for us are creativity, critical thinking, 
community and confidence. Mm. So building this uh, creative and critical problem solving skills, that's sort of core to what we do, right? So we want uh, we want to give students um, like really concrete cognitive techniques or tools to stretch their ability to problem solve in interesting ways. Um, and the idea is that by practicing some of these techniques and, and, and getting opportunity to practice some of these skills, any student can learn to be more creative than what they are. But then we also want to build uh, the right kind of environment. So in our programs, what we also try to do is we, um, uh, we give students and teachers a sort of a shared way to explore. Um, it's like a shared experience. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so both teachers and students, they are exploring um, interesting and novel ways to solve a problem. They are helping each other. They are learning from each other. And all of that kind of builds a sense of community. And then there's also the, the confidence. Like as students, they solve some of these, um, the problems and they're solving them in very interesting or novel ways, right? That they haven't seen. It's almost hard not to build some sense of confidence. Sure. In them, right? It builds that confidence. It's like, um, it's just being able to say, hey, I came up with that idea. Yeah. That can be like really powerful and empowering. So in a nutshell, that's what we do. <laughs> that's, that's really it's, cool. it's a mighty big nutshell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what led you to this idea? What led you to the idea and the, in the realization that this need existed and you needed to tackle this problem exactly? Yeah. So I think um, if you look at what's happening around, like technology is is changing really, really mm. rapidly, right? And it's evolving the the workforce, the you know the kinds of jobs. Everything is changing really quickly. So if you look at how things are going, if um, you just take automation, right? Automation is taking away a lot of jobs that are more sort of linear, um, sequential, or predictable uh, mm-hmm. kind of jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what at the moment we can't really automate yet is is sort of the ability to come up with novel, interesting solutions, right? Something that doesn't have any prior examples, right? So so machines can't learn from that kind of stuff. Um, so it really comes back to like the creative problem solving abilities, right? So if we can teach students to be better creative problem solvers, where they can look at a problem, it's, it's open-ended, ambiguous or whatever, and they can find some interesting ways to solve it, like examples of which don't exist. And that's really really you know going to make them successful they're mm-hmm. going to be able to thrive in this um this more technology driven world they're going to be able to face challenges better so i think that's that's once you realize that i think that that became sort of a huge motivator for us like we need to make students better creative problem solvers it's not just about learning some facts it's not about knowledge we're kind of way past that stuff right i mean just yeah. knowing stuff doesn't matter anymore we have to be able to apply them yep. apply a knowledge solve problems so we know that's, um, that's really great that you said that we um we talk to a lot of industry also in, in our jobs that we do so we talk to a lot of industry from welding to you know just a basic uh, you know any type of production industry and it's really interesting that creativity and critical thinking and community community and confidence those are actually the main things they're looking for even in those jobs because they need the, they need them to get along they need them to have confidence to learn new stuff you know they pretty much say if you can do math and you can get along with people we'll train you you know and that's uh so this isn't just about you know technology it's about just what our students and our kids are needing to work in the workforce in the 21st century that's absolutely right i mean i, I mean yeah i mean we're moving into technology driven world but at the same time the kind of skills we want to develop mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like tech skills in that sense, right? And so in, in some sense, we even tell the, a lot of the teachers, that's one message, like 
you don't have to be a technology expert to build some of those skills. Those skills are really important for you know the world that we're heading into. Um, no matter what field, which field you pick, it yeah. can be like you said, it could be uh, welding or you know things that people traditionally uh, you know don't associate at all with like technology. You need those skills everywhere, right. and that's those are the skills that makes us you know successful in some sense. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I'm I'm kind of curious. One of the things that you've uh, mentioned multiple times in what Mind Antics offers and what they do uh, is you know teaching students various techniques. So can you give us an example or two of of what some of those techniques look like? Yes, absolutely. So, um, so like uh, uh, you know this. This, I guess the simplest ones would be uh, that we start with is, is uh, associative thinking, right? So it's the ability to combine ideas that are unrelated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been found that, you know, just uh, being able to do that, you can actually sometimes get some really interesting solutions or ideas. And we, um, we can we teach students some of these techniques and some of them are just fun games, right? Just to get the concept going. Sure. Um, so an example is like, we have a fun activity we do with kids, it's called the Wacky Inventions. Right. And the idea is that the students will, um, you know, they'll work in a group and they will maybe write down a simple name of an object on a piece of paper and they'll they'll shuffle the papers. And then they have to pick two out of those papers and uh, those objects and try to combine them and make an interesting wacky invention. And then they have to go to the commercial and stuff. Um, So uh, when I did this uh, recently, you know, there was a group that did um, they got like a basket, uh, sorry, a football and a water bottle. And so they created an idea where they could have a football that you could, you know, it's a football, but it's also a water bottle. So you can open the thing on one end and uh, you have water in there. You can play with it. And when you're thirsty, you can take it, you know, open the lid, take a sip of it and close it and start playing again. And the the useful part is that, hey, now you don't have to carry two things when you go to a playground, right? It's just one thing. And so um, that's an example of a fun a uh, way to like combine two things that are unrelated and then be able to uh, make something unique and interesting out of it. And that's an example of the associative thinking, right? And then yeah. so we have um, other techniques like, you know, analogical uh, thinking, some reverse thinking. So just, you know, learning to challenge our assumptions, find an assumption, reverse it completely. And then suddenly we get some really interesting insights. So we teach them like different kinds of these kinds of cognitive techniques. And then, um, you know, they get to have a better sense of how do I, you know, given a problem, how do I like even start thinking mm-hmm. and how do I come up with more interesting ideas? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so do you find that the, you know, it, it's funny, uh, what I hear there is improvisation and improvisation is, yeah. a, is a big part of creativity. W- wouldn't you agree that, that that really opens the door? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, the funny thing is like I uh, coached my um, students uh on improv as well for mm-hmm. a while and I was doing this and I was also doing my you know the, the creativity the cognitive creativity stuff and then it took me a little bit of time but then it suddenly struck me like a lot of the things that I'm trying to teach in cognitive creativity improv is doing that mm-hmm. like it, the underlying level if you actually look at some of the improv games they're trying to build associative thinking they're trying to build like some of the same kinds of skills that we're targeting and if you like, there was actually um, there's very interesting research that was done like a few years ago, uh, and where this uh, professor and his group they brought in a bunch of um, uh, improv comedians mm-hmm. and professional product designers, and they actually had them brainstorm on product ideas, and it turns out that the improv comedian who had no experience with product design 
came up with more ideas and more original ideas than even the professional product designer. So you're absolutely right. Like an improv, um, it, it's building those same creative thinking skills. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can see the results that they can actually solve problems in very interesting and better ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, it's funny how sometimes um, the folks who are in a particular profession, it doesn't really matter what profession it is, but, you know, if you're in a particular profession for a long enough time, you you end up building blinders that you didn't even realize were there until someone who has nothing to do with your field comes in and shows you these kind of what they call, you know, these out of the box, you know, ways of thinking or, or coming up with ideas. And the other dude's like, holy cow, okay, yeah, I see. And sometimes what that really does is help that person get those blinders off that they didn't even realize were there. So that's, that's very right. cool. And I think sometimes just being able to look at your own stuff, and I think what we also try to do is have, you know, when you're using some of these techniques, in some sense, when you use them regularly with yourself, with the work that you're doing, and, you know, you're experts in your, in your areas, but but using these techniques is sometimes really helpful in removing the blinders yourself without mm -hmm. having somebody else come in sure. and say, sure. you learn to challenge your own assumptions or learn to like look at a problem from a different perspective. And I think can be really useful no matter, you know, which, um, what you're doing and how long you've been doing those things. It helps spur that creativity. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, that makes me think. So where in the process have you noticed that um, the students and the teachers start to realize that they have a choice about their their learning process, about what they like to do and, and how that changes? Do you do you do they get that right off the bat? I know you push that right off the bat. Like, let's help you find your space, your your zone to work in. Um, do you see that happen pretty quickly? I know it's at different levels, but it probably happens when you're definitely giving them the opportunity to do it. You probably see it even quicker. Um. It's a very good question. It does happen, but I think it's, at least in my experience, it happens at different rates with different students. Like some students are more shy or they are, may not be, shy may not be the right word. I think they just may be uh, a little bit more risk averse, right? Uh -huh. So they're uh -huh. less willing to take or try new things or, or suggest ideas for which they can't really evaluate. So they don't have a sense whether it's a good idea or not, how their peers are gonna take it. Um, which is why the, the building the community is really important, right? So if there's mm -hmm. a safe environment and students are seeing other students share ideas and examples, it like motivates the others to like start proposing ideas and they might start with like safer ideas first. But I think over time, I, you do see a shift and I can't point out if there's like a real one point in there or not, but I think sure. just trying different things, learning from others, seeing what other people are doing, um, you know, just kind of over time builds that um, element in there. I, I think um, one of the things that that kind of ties into, you know, especially like you said, students who are, are risk adverse and or students who um, they, they are the students who they want the concrete right, wrong. You know, if, if I'm doing this wrong, then how do I make it right? And, right. you know, it sounds like there's not a lot of that going on with the Mindantics, you know, scenarios that are presented to the students. It's not right or wrong. It's there are different approaches and some might be better than others, but not necessarily right or wrong. And that I wonder, I would love to maybe, I don't know, talk with some students who've been through this and, and see how frustrating that was for them at first. And then to kind of see mm. if, if they were able to kind of, you know, as we had mentioned before, kind of take down their own blinders or their own restrictions. I don't know. That, that'd be an interesting take on things. And I don't know, you may already have some of that uh, through some the of data, the, the yeah. research, you know, through the data that you've collected. 
Yeah, I mean, we, I've seen students go from being extremely, you know, holding back, you know, they're, they're really, very uncomfortable with mm-hmm. this whole concept of like, uh, you know, I don't know what this, whether this is a good idea or not idea. Should I say it? Will I look stupid if I say it in front of my friends? Um, and so being very, very, you know, like, like risk averse in some sense, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and over time, actually flipping over and participating actively mm-hmm. into activities and proposing ideas. So I've, I've definitely seen examples of students go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. Um, and I think that can be really powerful for them, right? It's, um, it's yeah, it's a great learning experience. So I, yeah. I would guess, it, you know, our current education model we've been working off of for decades, <laughs> it does not lend itself to that. It does not lend itself to a teacher even making those choices. There are so many curriculum guides and standards out there that I bet that is a, it's, it's a big shift uh, depending on how young you get the student also. So, you know, if they've been part of the process for so long, it's hard to go, wait, I'm supposed to not make up my own minds about this. Someone is going to tell me what to learn. That's so what do you guys provide um, along the lines of helping teachers get used to that? Um, you know, modules and uh, workshops and things like that. Do you guys provide that kind of help for them? Yeah. So we we do professional development for teachers. We we give them um, uh, you know a lot of support in that sense, so they understand um, what creativity is and how to nurture that. How to even identify creativity. We give them lots of activities. So we've had uh, teachers take like the some of the short. Um, so we do. We have sort of two kinds of content. There's like the short brain teaser type of stuff, which is all about learning a specific technique, like we talked about the associative thinking. Mm-hmm. And so you could almost do them stand alone every now and then and run some of these activities. And we've had teachers come and say, hey, you know, I've been trying this game or this activity and it's going really well. And then we also give them project-based learning modules. So, and the idea is that that's where the students, you know, they've learned the techniques through brain teasers and now they're gonna apply them in real world solution, uh, real world examples and mm-hmm. problem solve. Um, and we give them a lot of the structure, like here's how you wanna structure that. But they also have a lot of autonomy, right? So they can go ahead and change or modify things. They can tie it to things that they're already doing in the classroom. So there are lots of avenues for them to like sort of adapt or use as is, which are whatever makes most sense for them. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, yes, you're right. I mean, the, our educational system so far has sort of been focused more on learning sort of concrete uh, like domain knowledge kind of things, but not as much as encouraging creativity. Mm-hmm. But I do see a shift. I do see that teachers are getting more interested in trying different kinds of approaches or problem uh, project-based learning. And I think those are all great. I mean, we, we do find a lot of teachers who are interested in this and are willing to explore, willing to try new things and and start building that creativity back. So I'm curious, sorry. So I'm curious um, when you are, you know, you've got your you've got your system, you've got your platform. Uh, I'm I'm assuming you're collecting and analyzing mounds and mounds of data. So how how do you measure success with the various students and teachers that are you know using uh, Mind Antics? How, how do you how do you measure that? So we uh, so we have uh, on our platform we do allow teachers to like rate, uh, evaluate the student responses and we teach them about the Guilford metrics and that's what we're using right now. Uh, but we also go beyond that a little bit. And so we, you know, in, in the end, we uh, teachers can make their own assessment of whether this is like a unique enough idea or uh, is it useful, as it 
unique because the Guilford metrics don't always apply in, in all uh, scenarios. Um, and there's a lot of teacher feedback as well, right? So the teachers can tell us, okay, um, we can measure certain kinds of things or we can actually collect data on certain kinds of things, but not all, right? So there's a lot of subjective thing that happens like, you know, the, the confidence or the community building. So those are all like more teachers giving us feedback and saying, hey, this is going well, or this is, this is the stuff that students are finding hard to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, we can, we can um, understand and evaluate certain aspects of creativity, but mm-hmm. not all. Right. Sure. So, okay. So if our listeners want to get in touch with you and pick your brain and find out more about Mind Antics, uh, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? Well, thank you for asking that. Yeah, so they can definitely go to our website. It's www.mindantics.com. They can reach out, uh, send email, hello at mindantics.com. Um, follow us on Twitter uh, at mindantics and my personal. It's uh, Pranitha M. Um, and then I also write a monthly uh, article on Edge Circuit where oh, I cool. usually talk about certain creativity um, tools or tips and techniques and ideas that so they can always learn from there. But yeah, I mean, if they're curious about trying creativity in the classroom or just even curious about what creativity is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're more than welcome to reach out to us and be happy to chat with them and help them get started in that journey. Awesome. That well, is great. Well, it's really awesome what you guys have. It's very, very intriguing and it's very, it's very nice to see something like this coming about for 21st century learning. It's really awesome. And we want to thank you for coming on for your first podcast on our show. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, that's such a Hi there, I'm April Jackson, and this is your East Update. This week, we hear from East students at North Little Rock High School and their take on why everyone should have East and how awesome it is. East is, in my words, absolutely fantastical. If you get East at your school, it's just a way to make students happier. Because it honestly, I go to East every day. Like I make time to go to East just because it's like a little happy place, you know. I get to work on what I want. I feel like the question instead of being why do you have East should be like why don't you mm-hmm. have East? Yes. <laughs> because yes. it's a program that literally every school could benefit off of because there have always been these conversations in our school as to what needs to be done and how we should do it, but nothing ever happened. But the second that you give students the opportunity to make these things happen, not only in our school, but in our community, things start happening because I know as students, we can be really stubborn and we don't like being told no. And when you give students this experience that we give from East, the ability to talk to people, the ability to write emails, and the ability to just handle yourself in such a professional way, people stop saying no. It's more of a go for it. Because when you're approached by a high school student or an elementary school student or a middle school student and they have this incredible idea and they know how they want to do it, you're just like, wow, I'm like, I, why can't I do that? Or why didn't I think of that? Because we're just so diligent in what we want to do and just so go for it. And especially the elementary school students, the students that are here today, they are more like, I'm going to do it. They're, they don't think about all the negative aspects of it or why they can't. They're just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it me. and you're not going to have anything to say about it. And that's something that East allows us to do. It gives us the technology. It gives us the opportunities to do that. And I think that's one of the many reasons why East is amazing. If you're interested in learning more about East and how to get it established at your school, 
follow us on social media at The East Initiative or visit our website at eastinitiative.org. I am April Jackson, and this has been your East Update. Hey, thank you so much to April Jackson and the folks over at the East Initiative for providing the update this week for the show. Yep, they always send us some great stuff, and we thank them tremendously from the bottom of our hearts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much to Pranita for spending time with us and allowing us to be her first podcast ever. That's, yeah, really nice. I really, and my antics is really cool stuff. You know how I am about creativity, and that fills that, that gaping uh, hole in steam. Yes, <laughs> yes it does. The one that's been between the uh, the E and the uh, and the M and the M, the yeah. A, the gaping A hole. <laughs> so, the arts, arts, it's like steam escaping. Um, <laughs> I wondered what you were doing. I got it now. I'm slow. Did you get it? Hi, I'm Dave. I'm slow. <laughs> so we put the banner at the end of the show today because we had read some stuff. I did anyway about you know people didn't like banner because it took away from the interview. So if you're still hanging on. <laughs> You're hearing some God banter. bless you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, it's been a great show. Um, you can find us on the interwebs, www.edutechguys.com. Find us on all the social medias, just at edutechguys. We're out there in the tweeters and the Instagrams and all that kind of good stuff. So please reach out to us. Instagrams. Instagrams. I'm pretty sure that's a that's the thing. We that's probably a service. It's in Russia. Yes. <laughs> Goes along with the Insta Brides. Yes, that's right. <laughs> hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. Oh, I'm David Henderson. We'll catch you next time, we hope. You've been listening to the EduTech Guys. EduTechGuys.com. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all, all. But don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.